Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hi there, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host. I'm a retail transformation specialist and I work with retailers to define and deliver their complex change programs. And I'm particularly passionate about highlighting the ideal operating model and putting plans into place to bring that into reality, driving consistent performance and helping businesses grow and manage their operations. Thanks for tuning in. This one is episode 206, number 206. And today we're going to be exploring one of the most disruptive technologies to impact physical stores. That is, of course, the smartphone. And to guide us through, I'm delighted to welcome someone that is really passionate about understanding how technology can and is and has changed the retail experience. So today we are going to be joined by Ian Hobson, the CEO of Chargebox. Ian was previously with Anderson Consulting, who are, of course, now Accenture. He's worked in investment banking as head of IT and worked with Silicon Valley tech companies, both here in the UK as well as in San Francisco. Ian is a fellow mechanical engineer, and we've been talking about how that discipline has taught us both some great problem-solving techniques and a different perspective on the retail market than perhaps other people might have. Ian is now at Chargebox, where, like I say, he is CEO, and Chargebox create charging solutions for retail locations, both stores as well as shopping centres. It's a great conversation coming up. Find out much more about Ian and Chargebox on the show notes, which are at obandco.uk slash 206 and do sign up for the retail transformation briefing whilst you're over there it's my free email newsletter which gives you the headlines from around the world around how shopping is changing and evolving as well as key insights and intel to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of our ever-evolving industry so sign up at obandco.uk slash 206. So let's jump into this conversation. Enjoy listening. Well, I'm delighted to welcome Ian Hobson to the show. Ian, how are things? Great with me, Ollie. Um, I, d- I did want to congratulate you on, on your uh, 200th episode a few weeks back. Oh, thank I you. I did listen to that. I thought it was... Uh, fantastic about Evertrends and uh, I'm sure most of your listeners have listened to it but if you haven't I would highly recommend this it's a fascinating look back at the eight Evertrends in retail so I, I learned a lot from that and um, great and maybe we'll touch on some of those today Ollie so absolutely well thank thank you so much Ian that's that's very kind of you great episode episode 200 thank you thank you for the plug there <laughs> <laughs> Ian we are going to be diving into one of the big disruptive forces that we have seen in retail over the last sort of 10 years or so and that is the emergence of the smartphone and the impact that that tool or technology has had for consumers in particular on the shopping 
experience in store. So of course we know mobile commerce is, is a big thing, but today we're gonna to be focusing on how it is affecting the in-store shopping experience. Shall we start Ian, just by taking a, a bit of a reflection on the recent history and how that has played out? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's fascinating to look back. And sometimes you have to go back quite a long way to see where these trends and, and these pointers were were occurring. And I think, you know, you look at the internet and happening in the 90s and, and the start of Amazon and so on, and, and people saw this sort of shopping at home on your computer and then shopping in physical. And, and, and a lot of people invest a lot of money on this internet-only uh, only way. But it wasn't really the answer, but it was the start of, of, of something. And I, I think there was a parallel technology with mobile happening. You know, but at the time, it was mm. texts and phone calls, and you, you could pay by text and do a few clever things. But, you know, th those things had impact. People invested money in, in how could we use mobile better and so on. But it was really a, a, a third trend of miniaturization and power of devices to enable the smartphone to happen. And the smartphone piggybacking on both the internet and mobile to give people this this ability to shop with their mobile in store. How could that, you know, it, it sort of combined everything. So it wasn't just about internet shopping at home and then physical shopping in store. It was, I've always got this device with me and it can be useful to me when I go into store. I can still go back home and do something with it afterwards. So how do we, how do we create those new sets of experiences around it and i think it's you know it's it's i got my latest iphone last week it's the 15th year of iphones wow and we're still figuring it out aren't we you know when you think <laughs> about it we're, we're still we're, we're still figuring it out i mean it didn't all happen at once you know you didn't have apps right at the start and so on but it is fascinating to see you know it, you see these early signs of things but it takes a long time before they all converge and we start using them in in ways that are transformative and i think we've certainly done that but we haven't seen all of it yet there's more more to come Absolutely. So that, yeah, it's fascinating. We're all learning. I think, as you said, in the Evertrends, customer experience, you know, it's always evolved, hasn't it? And this is just, this is just another part of that journey on how customers interact with, with, with retailers. Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting because very rarely do you go into a store nowadays and you don't see someone on their phone. Now, of course, they may be just mm -hmm. doing some general messaging or whatever. You know, increasingly, a huge number of customers do, of course, use their phone to access prices, reviews, et cetera, as well. Any, any thoughts on how that's evolved? Yeah, I think um, this is another interesting thing, of course, because everybody's different. And, and, and so yes. this sort of personalization <laughs> is, is very tricky to get right because what works for one person, you know, doesn't necessarily work for, for somebody else. Good example for me, an app I quite enjoy is, is the Cafe Nero app, for instance. It's quite mm. a, a straightforward app. The way it's set up, it's good for me to start it the minute I walk into store because it helps me through the ordering process. You know, I get the bit of loyalty rewards and I can pay for it in there. And then, of course, it's got the closed loop of, you know, rate the barista and rate the coffee and, uh, and so on. And mm. that, that's, that's quite a nicely done little app. But some people probably hate that. Some people like to use their phone to scan. I personally wouldn't do that because I, then I'm carrying a basket and my phone and then trying to reach things off the shelves. And I don't have three arms. So, you know, there's, but some people say, well, I've got to have that. For me, if I was scanning, and scanning is a great thing in store, give me a personal scanner on a trolley, you know, that, that's very good at scanning, really good at scanning, and let yeah. me use my phone for something else. Yeah. But, but I think this personalization is very tricky for retailers to get right because they can, they can ask 10 people and they may get, you know, quite a lot of different answers. And, and do you cater for the majority or do you have to cater for the significant minorities? 
And that is, that's a real challenge. I, I, mm. and, and of course, every one of those requires investment projects and so on. So it, it's, it's very tough to get right. And I think people are yeah. still figuring it out. Yes, it's, it's interesting just using you as, as an example shopper, given those two couple of examples. You know, if you were to, or a retailer were to be asking you, do you want to use your phone while shopping? You'd be like, yes, mm. but no, right? It's, you know, different yeah, use cases exactly. yeah. and it is therefore difficult. And when you multiply that out by all of the different segments and different types of customer and, you know, it's a very muddy situation. What do you, what are you seeing retailers doing to, I suppose, combat that challenging situation of different personal preferences? Well, I think that, that, that a lot of them are trying to sort of, uh, what is it? Almost like slap paint on the wall, you know, what's, what, <laughs> see what sticks really. And, 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 and to some extent, maybe, maybe that's not a, 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 a bad approach. It's a little bit inefficient, but I do think people are trying to do a bit of everything and then sometimes having to step back from that. I mean, even, you know, Amazon, I think, recognized it had to get into bricks and mortar. It's stumbling on some of the ways that, you know, it, it, it hasn't certainly found the formula on the fresh stores in the UK yet. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't suspect it will give up entirely, quite, quite the opposite. I, I think it will just keep finding ways to, to make that sort of thing work. Yeah. But I think, the, you know, the other things are, you know, the retailer has gone to yeah, scan as you go along self-scan at the end you know sort of different things with, with allowing trolleys and baskets only and all of those things i can see certain people gravitate to that i mean i do uh, scan at checkout myself i don't say scan as they go along but mm. i see people doing the scan along and there are others you know my mo- my mother is never going to do either of those she's always going to go to the you know to the till so you know it is a challenge to get those right where do you explore them all and yeah i think they, they will have to just learn what works and, and be willing to back away from that. And there have been a number of examples, I think, where people have backed off some of the initiatives and, mm. and realized that that was a step too far or not quite what people wanted. Yeah. But of course, the software on the phone, should we say, or the, the, the different apps mm. is only one part of it. There's quite a bit of infrastructure that you need to be thinking about if you want to encourage mobile phone use or at least uh, head into it as well. What, what sort of things do retailers need to be thinking about to make sure that people can use their phones in store? Well, I think that, you know the, the, the biggest problem that affects just about all of us much of the time is is still the reception, right? And you know what what has happened with cellular, three G to four G, five G. It's certainly got better. It's got faster, and I think there is generally more coverage. But you can go into a big department store or a big supermarket, and you're you know you are without signal. Yeah, particularly in the bigger, older stores that. Have got sort of weird and wonderful architecture Concrete. and structures yeah, and <laughs> exactly. So I think that's that's a challenge, and I think that the the problem with some of the Wi-Fi implementations is they're a little bit clunky. You know, the thing is, you can't if you put friction in the way of people, that stops them using it. Friction's a huge barrier, you know, and, and so the greatest intent you could have the greatest app, but if it takes people two minutes to get on the Wi-Fi or they're feeling that they're giving lots of personal details away and so on. They're not going to do that, you know, and so the, the, the opportunity is missed to use the phone in, in the right way. So I think, you know, a lot of retailers put free Wi-Fi in everywhere. I think the coffee shops do it. I'd argue the coffee shops maybe don't need it now because generally they're not big environments. The cellular stuff is probably good enough and it's cheap enough for people. But certainly in, in these big locations, you've got to have really frictionless Wi-Fi uh, that, that, that almost seamlessly transitions. People don't even mm. necessarily know they're on. They just know they've got reception. You know, airports are very bad at this. I think if you go to the airport, you know, they say, oh, it's free Wi-Fi. But you try, you know, registering for it. And it's, it's, you know, it takes ages. You've got to reply to an email back and this sort of thing. And, 
And I think that these these things are typically where they want to box tick, or we provide free Wi-Fi, but actually they're not really providing a service that 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 really helps. So I think I think that's a big thing: is how do you get cellular connection in there, fast mm. cellular connection, because you don't want high latency. If you're going to show images and stuff, they need to you know they need to pop up quickly. So I think that that's a key, a key one. You know what we do at Chargebox, of course, is uh, I would say it's like a, the, the Maslow's hierarchy needs. You know, at the very bottom is if your phone isn't hasn't hasn't got any battery, you can't do anything. So the, the very first <laughs> thing is you've got to have a, a, a you know a charged phone. But I think yes. more than that is we find that people become anxious when their phone drops below a certain percentage. For some people, that's fifty or sixty percent. For some, it might be twenty percent or fifteen percent. But when anxiety creeps in. That changes people's behavior in, in, in a negative way. You know, they, they actually start, start to worry. Mm. They, they don't spend as much. They don't enjoy themselves as, as much. And so, you know, one of the things that we do is, is we like to work with some great retail clients to make sure their customers don't have to worry about that. If they feel they are running low, they can get a charge. And, and we focus on, on a very fast charge which most of the modern phones support. Uh, so that, you know, that's, that's another a, a good example. Reflecting on that, Ian, for a moment. I think it's really interesting because we want to provide, of course, a, a pleasant shopping experience. But if a customer is walking in and they have got 5% left, that's stressful, particularly if they are needing to use their phone to pay, if they're needing to use their phone for a loyalty app or even to call a taxi to get home or whatever that is. You know, the phone is increasingly a huge part of it is our life. And actually, if, if you are on that sort of final countdown before a uh, screen off... <laughs> <laughs> that is not going to be a pleasant shopping experience. It's not going to be somewhere where you can just chill out. So yeah, having a way of recharging offers offers a big opportunity. Yes, it's gone from just you know not being in communication with your loved ones to not being able to complete what you want to complete. You know, it, you can't get back on the bus, you you know, or the or the train because you got you can't show your ticket, or you can't pay for, for for the ride, you can't as you say use use payments inside the store. So so much is lost, and I think it, that behavior change with the increasing digitization of our lives is it, it's a problem and you know people will will stop and they will go back home early they will they will not have the experience they could have had and they will not have spent as much as they would have mm. done so i think you know these things these things are important phones have got better at battery life i think I think everybody would, would look back and say we're slightly better but of course we keep using them more and more using this, the sensors in them more and more and 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 our dependency as you say has grown hugely so it's certainly, you know, I, I think low friction for charging and, and discoverability. These services, I think, they have to be discoverable, right? There's no point in going and saying, yeah, we've got free Wi-Fi, but people don't know about it or can't <laughs> discover it. And the same with, with, with charging. Let's, let's help people discover these services really easily and with low friction. Mm. And, and I think if, if we focus on those things, then the retailers will ensure their, their customers get a, a better experience in store. Yeah, absolutely. Well, having used a charge box myself, I know it's a, uh, a bit of a lifeline to to be able to suddenly notch yourself back up and you, you just yep. take away that anxiety. I've certainly found out myself. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we sometimes use the hashtag lifesaver. Many many of our <laughs> users have thanked us in that over the years, many, many, many of our millions of users. So yes, indeed. Going back to how customers are using their phones as well. So obviously they need to be able to get the reception. They need to be able to have the power. One of the aspects that is most interesting is the app, which you touched on earlier on. Now, there are obviously lots of different types of apps. You can have apps to be able to do loyalty cards, apps to be able to check into a store like an Amazon Fresh or an Amazon Go store. 
And of course, there's there's lots of shopping apps as well. Are your thoughts around apps, are they a, a distraction? Are they something that retailers should be going after? Should every retailer have an app, for example? What do you think? Uh, I think that's an excellent question. I think that most retailers probably need an app of, of some type. I mean, I think if, and, and, but it's got to be a compelling experience that, mm. that brings some value in store. You know, the, the alternative, I'm, I'm probably not of that generation that's going to go in store and spend my time on Instagram or social media and so on and, and external sites. I probably would use a good app in store. Younger people, I think, might might certainly just want to go on Instagram and I don't know share what it is or share photos with their friends of clothes they're trying on and so on. So there are obviously different needs here, but I think that the you know a compelling app is 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 a is a really important thing for most retailers to have. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of of a type of retailer that wouldn't need it, but there's probably probably a few. But it's challenging, you know, a, a, a retailer like a department store that's trying to sell you know white goods clothes, beauty products, electrical items, children's things. You know, how do you put all of that into one app? <laughs> because they're quite different. How, how we buy a washing machine is very different than how we buy some clothing or some furniture for, for our house or garden mm. and so on. And, that, and I think that is a, a real challenge to, to make an app that, that can help each of those experiences without overloading it and becoming just a, some sort of, you know, mighty thing that really doesn't help anybody because nothing's discoverable in it yeah but yeah i think i think most retailers should have an app and i think it should be very much focused on making sure that the touch points the customer has key touch points are delivered more seamlessly and with lower friction in in a in a you know just a better way you know reducing queues and 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 things like that Mm. yeah such that it is adding real value yes it's it's very important I, i think and i don't think it's, it shouldn't be a distraction. The, the app itself shouldn't be a distraction. I think what, what is a distraction potentially is the use of other things. And I think that comes about by you know, making sure that customers don't need to do those other things, like don't need to do quite as much social media or, or uh, you know, talking to their, their friends because then they're not actually shopping, are they? So Yeah, absolutely. And their mind is elsewhere and also subject to ads and the like that could take them right out of your store or into another online store or whatever yeah very interesting and of course phones are not just for consumers but also colleagues in store are increasingly using phones as well how do you see behavior from from colleagues in store when it comes to particularly i suppose bring your own device initiatives to be able to play a part in the store i think it does help i mean you know just using anecdotes personal anecdotes you know looking for i think it was a cooking hob in, in John Lewis a, a few weeks ago, you know, the, the, the store people are able to use devices to go and look at specifications or get answers in more detail and be more informed. You know, it, it's very difficult to know the specifications of every one of those things in there. There may, may be little labels with the key things on, but when the customer has a specific question, you know, that's very hard to, to know. And I think the ability for them to go online quickly and get answers is, is really good. Obviously, their ability to say, yes, we've got some stock in the back and and, and so on. These are all very helpful. And I Mm. think it it makes the assistant more useful. I I think for some time, assistants were almost like in the way, you know, how can I help you? How can it? Well, you know, I'm not sure you can help me, but I think that they are becoming, oh, they have the potential to become more helpful to to the customers again. So that's a good thing, I I think. And uh, again, it was something you touched on in in, uh, 
you know, around things like data and, and so on. I think the use of these devices makes makes retailers more efficient and that and allows them to collect more data and, and, uh, and so on. But I think if, if, if it's focused around helping the customer, it has to be a great thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. As long as you're not too head down into the screen rather than head, heads up and, and conversing with customers would be would be my addition, of course. It's interesting as well because I'm sure we've all been there talking to colleagues where they're checking the perhaps the mobile website or even a, a consumer-based app to find out the same information. And it feels like actually there's, there's, there's a big opportunity. And particularly when it comes to product knowledge, there's so much. And obviously customers can be very well researched nowadays before they walk into store to buy a fridge or a TV or even even a piece of clothing, right? In terms of understanding competition and reading reviews, etc. So it's an interesting yes, one. Yeah. So those are some of the things you can do when thinking about how to help customers use their mobiles in store to level up the experience. What should retailers not be doing, Ian, on the flip side? I, I think that's a, that's a difficult one. Probably each retailer has to look at their own things and be critical of them. As I say, I think it's very easy to to throw paint at the wall and see what sticks. But I think you know, really understanding what what people are not using quite quickly. I, I don't know, maybe they have to A/B test. I, I I don't know. But but you know, you, you can't throw everything at this because your app app will become too heavy. It will things will not be discoverable. And, and people will then go off and they'll start checking, oh, can I get other prices or things like that? So I think it's very much about discoverability and, and frictionless shopping. I think if the focus is on those things, great. I think if it's, if it's too many other things like, oh, you know, you know, things like AR and VR, these technologies, it's a bit like, you know, I go back a, a number of years to, to say Boo.com. I think, um, you know, it was a, a company that was, thought they could sell shoes and sports clothes over the internet with people's computers and they had all these great 3d modeling and so mm-hmm. on but it was it was the wrong timing you know so timing timing is everything in this with technology if you try and say oh well, you know we're going to have this great ar or vr experience well is that is that a good use of investment at this time i, yeah. I think there are some that can benefit you know nike has done a great job with with some of the things they've done there but for most people today it's probably not not there yet until people are starting to use this routinely as part of their experiences i suspect that's that's not an area most retailers should be should be focusing on that's a personal view Mm. some may have a more compelling reason yeah no that's that's interesting and it kind of leads me on to 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 the next question i wanted to ask you about when thinking about what's coming next what the evolution is of consumers using their phones to engage with retailers and brands in, in in shopping what are your thoughts on the next evolution well, I think, you know, we, we can see where the phone is going, but these are going to be incremental improvements. There will be other personal devices that we carry with us, you know, whether it's things like the, the headphones or the watches, smart watches, or perhaps AR glasses. Maybe maybe these will start to happen in, in a few years. A lot of disruption happens from outside, you see. I mm. mean, you can disrupt an in- industry internally, and there's a lot of retail disruption that's been internally driven. But I think when you look at the big disruptions that have happened, whether it's things like building the road network and trucks, you know, you know, before our time, or even be, even before my time, you know, the, these things had big impact on retail, but it took some time to happen, and it wasn't always clear how it would. But I think you know, one of the things I see is you know, like cycles in this, right? Mm. We 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 built this car centric culture, and our retailers adopted to this car centric culture, out of town shopping centres and so on. And I think there are consequences of of that that. We've seen it with the high street. You know, these are 
quite negative consequences that have happened. And I, I would say that our, our shopping streets are not what they could be. You know, have they improved in some ways? Yes, mm. they have. But we've seen a lot of high streets that are decimated, the gambling shops and, and charity shops and, uh, and so on. But we need them to be vibrant. Mm. And, and so one of the things that I see is some really good initiatives in, in an area called micromobility. And this is about using small vehicles with, with you know, the, 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 um, whether it's bikes, e-bikes, or scooters, or, or you know, proper electric, electrified scooters, or even small, tiny vehicles like Citroen ME that, you know, you can put a couple of people in or even a small mm. family. And our cities are unsustainable as they are, both polluted, you know, just too much congestion, there isn't parking, and they have become focused on the car and not the people. Mm. And I do think that um, this new technology, and it's happening so fast, you know, the, the number of e-bikes sold in Germany last year, I think, went, went, was the increase was more than the, all the electric vehicles sold in the whole of the EU, for example. So this stuff is happening at a far, far faster rate than EVs, which actually are not really disruptive. They're just converting, you know, one car with a petrol engine to a car with yep. electric. But if we can, if we transform our cities, uh, Paris is leading there. You know, they've got the idea of the 15-minute city, which will be driven by people being able to get around quickly and safely. And not, not just, you know, younger people, people who are confident on bikes, but families. There'll be cargo bikes to, to deliver things faster. And, and some of this is enabled by the smartphone, mind you. These, these things are, are, are helped, you know, both shared, shared scooters, shared yep. bikes and so on. But, but I think that I do look forward. I think we're at this very early stage of seeing how this transformation happens. But I do think this will be incredibly positive for retailers because it will bring back personal shopping and personal involvement in places and high streets and has a, a massive impact on on the high street and, and on retailers and on, on our lives. I think it, it, it's a more pleasant experience to, to go in a pedestrianized street and, and, and to wander around freely and just cross the road and pop into another store. So on, um, maybe things like libraries might come back in slightly in different forms or community places. Mm. And I, I, you know, I've seen some evidence of this. So, you know, we've uh, quite aware of in Paris of, of, of the, some of the things happening. And uh, I think it's a, a fantastic initiative by a company called Foot Locker that have done some really interesting work in the way the stores are designed. Mm. Uh, but they they don't do it the same in in each place. If on the outskirts of Paris, they've made it more of a community place where people can drop in and read a newspaper, for instance. And I think things like that are making retail about people and our high streets about people, I think has huge potential and micromobility is going to make that because the status quo can't exist. We cannot keep on going in bigger and bigger cars. Mm. It doesn't work. And so I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited about that. I think it will take a while to play out. Yeah. But I think that retailers that adapt to that will, you know, have a real good opportunity. And I, I do see that that is factoring into them. Does it change how they work in a, in a shopping center, out-of-town shopping center? Not necessarily, not today. But I do see a swing back towards the high street is, is possible. And I think that has to be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you can imagine it builds a community of consumers. And, you know, as you say, if the phone is the portal into accessing elements like shared scooters or whatever, then actually that infrastructure mm. that we spoke about earlier is all the more important as well because... You don't want to be trapped on the other side of the city with no power, Indeed. no reception, Indeed. no data, etc. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So now I'm I'm very excited about that. I think we saw touches of that with COVID, with you know the the streets opening up to people again yeah. and out, outdoor outdoor dining, and I, I think it was transformative. I think it creates 
challenges for retailers? How do they stock up? You know, do they have to do that outside of hours? You know, how do the, how do the trucks get mm. up there? There's lots of little things to be to be solved. I think they can be solved, but I do think that when we've got streets that are for people, I, I think that that's um, really exciting again and, uh, it, for our communities and, and, and for retailers that that, that uh, exist in the high street. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Well, what a positive way to, to, to wrap up our conversation, Ian. But before we do fully wrap up, I'd love to ask, how can people get in touch with you? How can they find out more about yourself, more about Chargebox and so on? Yes. So Chargebox is there to solve the problem of, of low battery. And we do that through two types of solutions. The first is a, a locker solution where you put your phone inside a locker, usually for free. Occasionally, we have to uh, ask people to pay for it. And you come back and, and, and you've got to charge. And with our fast charging technology, that's about you get as much as 20% charge in as little as 10 minutes. So that's quite transformative. And those same fast charge solutions are also deployed in a stay in charge. So you might, might be at a desk or a coffee table. And you can sit down, still use your phone, and still get a fast charge. Again, 20% in 10 minutes. So those are the sort of things that we do. They're all fully monitored for the, for the most availability because you'd hate to show up and find that it wasn't working. So we like to think just about everything of ours is working. The easiest way to look us up is well, we're simply chargebox.com. So that's C-H-R-G-E-B-O-X.com. We're a British company. We manufacture here in the UK. We design our, our products and we have the highest quality, most robust products out there in retail, in transportation, in education, health, and for many events, sporting events and corporate events. We're there to help anybody who wants to help their customers keep a charge. So that's really, we're a B2B business. We work very closely with some fantastic clients, especially in retail. And we'd obviously love to help anybody who sees charging as, as, as part of that solution for their own customers. So thanks for the opportunity to plug, Ollie. But yes, and you'll find it's very easy to work with. Perfect. Ian, this has been fantastic to talk to you. It's been a really enlightening topic and one that I'm sure will be... Uh revisiting over the coming years as we move into micro mobility as a movement and so on so thank you so much for joining me here on the retail transformation show it's been a pleasure ollie i wish you a lot of luck i'll be interested to hear a lot of the future episodes you do and go back and look at listen to some of the past ones too so thanks very much for being the host great host thank you so much ian very interesting conversation there with Ian Hobson of Chargebox which really highlighted many different aspects that all require lots of consideration and in particular I enjoyed Ian's perspective around how making sure that mobile phones must be useful and relevant to customers rather than just adding lots of extra stuff and features and functionality into apps or mobile websites whatever. Remember to head over to the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 206. Sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, as well as find three additional episodes to check out next. Very quickly, those three are episode 200, which Ian mentioned right at the start of the episode. That's one called The Ever Trends of Retail. A great episode there. Also, check out episode 194, 194 with Christine Russo, where we were talking about focusing on tech trends and avoiding the fads. And then finally, we've been talking a lot about stores today. So I would encourage you to check out episode 183, number 183, where we were looking at defining the role of your stores. 
So three fantastic episodes to listen to next. And do of course remember to hit the subscribe button and catch new episodes which come out every single week. I appreciate you listening. Do remember to share this episode, tell your colleagues, tell your contacts, and I look forward to joining you in another episode of the Retail Transformation Show coming at you very soon. Bye for now.